Hello, and welcome to the Accelerated Culture Podcast, a sonic journey through the vibrant and revolutionary sounds of the 1980s and 1990s. In this podcast, my co-host and I will dive deep into the era of new wave and alternative music, exploring the infectious beats, introspective lyrics, and groundbreaking experimentation that defined a generation and left an indelible mark on the music landscape. Join us as we unravel the stories behind the music that shaped an era. Welcome back to the Accelerated Culture Podcast, the podcast that's all that in a bag of chips. This is Lori, and I'm really excited to welcome you back to part two of our interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Egan. Nick is a world-renowned artist and music video director. In part one, he told us about his work with The Clash, Bow Wow Wow, Malcolm McLaren, and In Excess. And in part two, he's going to tell us more about his work with some other bands, including his experiences directing music videos. I realized I, I, I neglected to ask you when you were talking about Richard Butler. Yeah. Can you t- talk a little bit about the work that you did with the Furs? Yeah, I did. Well, I did the one record cover, funny enough. I did Midnight for Midnight. And it was, uh, I can't remember, I met him in London. We got on really well. In fact, we got on so well, he actually came down to my mother's house in Devon for dinner, for, to, to meet him. My mum loved him. And and um, and we went driving around the countryside, me and his girlfriend at the time. And when they did Midnight to Midnight, I, I would go, they were recording it in Woodstock up at Tobronga Studio, Bearsville. And I'd go up there and then have, and Richard has got the driest, darkest sense of humour, which I have. And so, we got on really great, and I always make fun of him about that cover because about him holding the collar up. I would say, "Well, you got a coat hanger in there." We did that, Michael Houseman, and it was—it it probably was their most commercial record. Um, I don't think it's their favourite record. I think that I think they got pushed into this commercial thing. They had, I think they had a hit with um, I can't remember what track it was, but but he's a—I say he's a charismatic guy, and and funny, really funny. You wouldn't think it was as funny as he is. But what a voice. And and so I just saw him at the Dark Wave Festival recently and I saw him when they played at the um, Greek. And he's great. He's still got it. You know, he's still got that great voice that nobody else can copy. It's just a brilliantly unique voice. And that's the only thing I did with him. Besides a couple of single covers, I didn't do anything else with him after that. But me and Richard have remained really close friends ever since. You know, he's a great guy. That's so cool. There that's so cool. Yeah.
Ricky Butler and I are still very close. We're always texting each other, and we've got the same sense of humour. So, so that is, yeah, that's an important part of it. Is 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 the friendship? It, it's difficult because with with um, Duran Duran, for example, unlike Michael, unlike Inaccessible, Michael was the star. Duran Duran have got John, Roger, Nick, and Simon, and they're all equally the same in terms of stardom. So you can't have that. You can't single the person out. You've got to be able to adapt to all four characters. Well, Roger wasn't in the band when I did the Durant, when I did the first the cover and the first video, but certainly Nick and John and Simon there. And you have to go. You've got to be able to balance out all of them. You can't. I mean, because John's my friend, I have to be very careful not to use that in any way, and and not to use favoritism towards John. And he's like, so I had to separate my friendship into my friendship with him and my working relationship into the band. And that can be, that can be tough. Right. And John is very, you know, John stays out of it a lot when I'm involved with it for the same reason. He can't stay back out because yeah, he, he doesn't want to say, Oh, you're just as Nick's your friend. And so, so, um, it is, I tell you one thing, um, Laurie, I could be a good politician because I think that's what politics yeah, you have to be to be a politician. You've got to be able to, Balance everything around and not go too far one way or too far the other way. So, yeah. So yeah, it's. I'm glad I've got these great friendships out of, out of things, and and I think, but I do think, the best relationship, working relationship I've had with him is by far Duran Duran. I mean, because yeah, in excess because the the doubts of Chris Murphy and the and the kind of like wedge you put into it left me with a bad, a slightly bad taste in my mouth. I mean, whenever I read about Kick and they do interviews, they never mention me about doing that record cover. And and, and I just think, yeah, they the one thing that they, they were doubtful about now is the thing they use all the time. So that was, I felt a little bit disloyal. But Michael was my friend, and and, and I, he was obviously my friend, and that was because the others didn't get involved, so that's their problem. But with Duran, it's a different thing. And, and Duran, I grew up in England, with the same time as them, we all watched the same TV shows. There was a show called Top of the Pops. Everybody watched it. It meant we were a small island, but everybody knew what was going on. So culturally, I was really close with them. So whenever I referenced anything, they all got it immediately. And the way I worked with them is that it's, it works differently every time. Like like when I did the pressure off video, Nick had this idea for based on a photographer called Philippe Hausman, who did pictures in the 50s of celebrities jumping in the air. Because because his thing was when you're jumping in the air you can't you can't control it so you can't have your makeup and look. so what they were trying to get his pictures for from from his estate to use but they're really expensive so I said why don't we just take that idea of people jumping in which is normal people and we do it with a really really high speed camera so they look like they're frozen they're moving make it black and white because Nick loves the kit cover and so I said well we can do that and so. And, that, and that's how that came up. But working with them is 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 always such a great joy. It's tough because they're very picky, and sometimes John and Nick are like lock horns together on things. Um, and 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 but and, and I'm always having to be very cautious whose idea I take more seriously. You know, depending on the dynamic at the time. But generally, you know, we, we have fun on those shoots. I've got to say. And there's a scene in the end of um, Perfect Day. And we were, it was really late and it was at 3 a.m. And Nick was the last one left. And I've got this scene of him and he's picking these flowers up and he's throwing them at the, at the screen. And, um, and he said to me, you, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the idea, thinking the idea that you think I'm camp or something. Pink suit, 
at gnomes and, and I said, we all started laughing. So Nick has got a great sense of humor. We all started laughing, broke the atmosphere on it. Was... Feed animals in the zoo. And later, a movie too. And then home. Oh, such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with And so there's that, and yeah, there's sort of like I say, cultural understanding between us. We we all like the same bands when we when we were growing up. We were in the car once. We were going to. Um, Back from John's house in the country up into London, and we were talking. They were doing the BBC Top Ten the next day, and they were talking to choose them. And we were in the car. And we we're all we we're all contributing to what it should be, and it's great. And we're sitting in the car, and they're going this, and I'm going no, no, but this one's better. And it, and you know, it was it was a natural thing, and I have a natural connection to them. And um, I also realised that you need to do the own thing. I can't be tied to me all the time, so I have no problem when they work with other people. But but it's like they always tend to come back to me. And I think with ordinary world, they were at a crossroads in their life where they weren't really. Their last records went into water, not desperate, but they were like on the edge. And it was like, and that song that Warren wrote, Simon, where he just knew it was going to change everything, and it did. Yeah, and it did, and and then I just hit it right with the video. I hit the right chords with it, and and it, and it, I took what we'd done with the album cover, and and you know, really, that video was was so massive. It it made me from a from a music video director to a superstar music video director in one go. I mean, it just I went from that to the, and and um, and it kind of, you know, and and pe people didn't like Duran Duran like that song, and they liked that video. And I was very proud of that video because it took a lot of work to, to figure out how I was going to do it because we didn't have all the technological things that we have now. And, and you know, we had to shoot and then transfer to film and then project it onto things, you know, a week later. But I think the thing, the thing that people forget, and, and I always forget to talk about, is the is is the the animated flowers that were in it. And that was done by a photographer called Dean Chamberlain, who was a friend of Nick's, but I'd also worked with him on another project. And he did this painting by light and he did the we did the um ordinary world single cover was a tree that he painted so basically what he does is he opens exposure on the camera and he takes a light and he goes around he draws around with it so he's not seeing in the picture he wears all black and he's not seeing in it because he's moving so fast and he draws in with color so that was brilliant and he started to do some filming of that so i said we have to use that because you know my whole thing about this ordinary world is is it's not really ordinary, actually. It's quite extraordinary, and 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 it's kind of, and and, and I, I like the I like the the playoff of those two things that Simon's thinking about this as an ordinary world, and really it's not. And so those images that Dean did, I was keen on putting in, in on on the screen because at one point they talked to Dean about doing the video, and and um and I thought that was the perfect um, highlight to the place we shot in, which is Huntington Gardens in Pasadena, which has all these different gardens, Japanese gardens that. Cactus Gardens was was another thing that was a, an extraordinary world. It was incredible that location, and 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 um and I, there was something I, I captured in it, in it that I thought really got the sense of their performance, 
got Simon, who I think is one of the great frontmans as well. He's, he, he's got a great, and his lyrics are great. Really, that was my big success. I think in terms of videos. I, I, in terms of videos, I, pr I prefer the white lines and I prefer the pressure off video to Ordinary World because, yeah, you know, there's something about them. But that, in terms of of, of its effect and, and what it did, is got to be really important to me. And it, it was it was tough. It was tough because I was having to prove myself to them because I wasn't a proven director at that point. I'd only done smaller acts and they'd gone around to see other directors who were bigger and more well known than I. And my rep at the time gets saying, no, Nick's the only one should be doing this. He did. And so from, for them to finally go, okay, let Nick, Nick do it, suddenly became a big, huge pressure. And then um, and when I did, when I put it all together, I had so much stuff going on. We edited it. It was a mess. And we delivered it to the band. And they were like, oh, no, this, isn't, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And, and I thought, oh, God, I've really I fucked it up. I thought I went through that, such anxiety. And my editor, Don Wilson, said to me, you go and take a break. Go home for a couple of days. Don't worry about it. I will, I'll sort it out for you. And so, I, I, very unlikely to let, I, I was always in the room at some point to take, a, to take myself away from it. And he says, I'll call you when I've got something to show you. And he called me, and I, and, and honestly, honestly, God, I was blown away because what he'd done is he had he, he, he simplified it. He, he, he made, it made sense. It flowed brilliantly. And I'd always owe him a debt of gratitude for doing that because he took his time out without being paid to do that read cut for me because he felt that I needed that to happen. And he did. And as a result of it, I think he, he it made it one of the great videos of our generation. And, and I have to thank him for it. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that that is an iconic, iconic video. I mean, and, and even, you know, 2024, it, it still looks, you know, it, it it still looks fantastic. It doesn't look dated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, and I, like I said, I, I have to give Don and Don edited a lot of my videos, and he's a he's a he's a great editor, and he gets it. But he got that, and and like I said, as a director, sometimes you shoot a lot of stuff and you want to use it all in there. That's what I did. I, I there was too much going on, and I was used to making high energy videos like Soup Dragons or Sonic Youth and people like that that had a lot of pace and a lot of cutting in it, and so I put the kitchen sink in it and. And when they when the band were like oh and, and I thought oh good you know give me this chance and I and I fucked it up so that's why I when Don said let me do it you go take a break you need a break because I, I was doing a lot of stuff you need a break I'll do it I'll call you and two days later he called me and I went in there and I almost fell on the floor I mean it was such a great and, and I knew then because you know it you know when you know when it's not good and you know when it is good and I knew the first cut wasn't good but I didn't want to admit it at the time. And, but I knew when I saw that, if you didn't like this video, you're an idiot. 
and of course they, everybody did and it went crazy on MTV and it was it, it brought Duran Duran back but but really yes. it's Warren Kukuru Warren also deserves a lot of credit for that because he wrote the song and it was just beautifully written uh, yeah and it's a beautiful song to this day so 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 that really I think Bridget said to me that's partly because Duran is still relevant and they are they're relevant they they still I go to their shows and you go to the shows now and it's got the the daughters of the Duran is going. I know one of them. She's become a friend of mine. Her mum and her go to the show. She was sixteen at the time and I did pressure off and she did a she did a reaction video to that song to that song and I thought she was brilliant. I, and I became friends with her and and when you go to a show it's like you know, there's the fifty to sixty year olds that are there, but there's also the twenty five to thirty five year olds there. And and so yeah, their 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 choice of of who they collaborate with is is great. Their their choice of producer is great. And and I said to John, I mean, I went recently. There was a big festival here in LA called the Dark Wave Festival, and it had New Order, Psychedelic Furs, uh, Tears for Fears, B52, Soft Cell. It was a great bill. On on on. The... I went there and I looked at it and I thought, wow. I mean, these people are ancient, really. Duran are the same age as me, but they don't look ancient. They still look good. You know, they've still got all their hair. They've still got, they're still thin. I mean, you know, they, they have, they've managed to maintain everything. And, and I think they're probably going to, will go down as one of the most popular bands of all time because they've out, they've, I mean, I know there's you two and there's the Rolling Stones, but, but they don't put out decent records anymore. Duran, Duran put out great records. Yes. You know, although I'm not sure the last two, but, but so, and I think that's testament to them. They're, they're shrewd, and I think they work really well together, even though you deal with these four individuals very... I mean, Roger's... Hey, Roger is great. Roger's got an opinion, and he's going. He's not a cause of the fuss, but he's got an opinion, and, and it's valid. But you've got such these four strong characters who are like... Some of you think, oh, what a nightmare. You've got to deal with all the uh, people coming from different directions, but somehow they kind of like, you know, they work out like... like Nick will do this part, John will do this part, Simon will do this part. And, okay. and at some point during the process, they all merge into one. So it becomes these people and suddenly it becomes one person. And now I've never seen that ever before with a band where, where it's almost like it's, it's supernatural the way it happens. Just one day out of the blue, it's like, wow, it's, it's like everything becomes simplified and, and, and everybody seems to have got it in a way. I mean, you know, so so I, I give them great credit for that, and they've and that's why I've always really have to put them down as being the best. Even though you know, obviously Michael, but yeah, there was there was problems with that. But with Joanne, it's been, you know, I've done the best work I've done with them. You know, and I'm very proud of it. Even even um, all you need is now. You know, I thought I, that that video was was the beginning of of digi really digital video. And there was a camera that came out at the time. It's called the flip camera. It was a, it was a 1080p um, a high definition camera, video camera. It was about the same size as a phone. And and so, wow, suddenly you could get out. Like me and Simon were driving along. I said, oh, we should jump out the car and shoot this by the River Thames. And we jumped out and do it. Five years before that, you've had to have a crew, cables, a camera, a camera system. And so... And then what happened was the iPhone came out, kind of killed off the flip because the you know, iPhone did everything. But but um, I shot most of that on that on that flip camera, uh, um, and I loved that. It was it was, and also it was a video that when when they asked me what 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 the idea was, I said there's no idea. 
I said, get used to that. No idea for a Duran's Duran video. I'm going to make it up as I went along. And, you know, Wendy, the manager, was, oh, we need to have some idea. So I said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll come to England. If they've got a calendar, I'll just go along with them. Like Simon did an interview with the BBC, so I went with him to that and shot that. I said, I want to shoot John's house in, in the country with him. So I went to stay with him. I went to Nick's house. I had each of them half a day each. And I went to Nick's house and shot in his back garden and the and Brompton Cemetery outside where I saw him, I seen him juggling. I thought, that's a great thing to put in there. And Roger was DJing, so I went to a DJ store. So I said, I want to go and do that and make up as I go along, which I did. I kind of made up as I went along. We even when we were shooting in the studio, we had a break. And I said, let's get in the car. Let's just drive into the um, to the Tate Modern, which is, which is a big, big uh, modern art museum in, on the River Thames. And we jumped in this car and we went up there and we got out there and they were walking on by the river, by the embankment. And people were going, is that Duran Duran? No, I can't, but they wouldn't be walking down. So I mean, just the reaction was great. And we, we did it really quickly. And so that was the beginning for me of, of seeing how easy, uh, how, how the technology had become. But the downside to that is because it's easy to do, everybody thinks it's, you know, it's cheaper because the equipment isn't expensive. And, and so that, what that means is everything comes down to a cheaper level, meaning you don't get paid as much. You know? so, and I was doing really three times the work because I was shooting, doing the camera, I was doing everything. Um, and and um, but the but you know people don't think it, 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 because it's a, a camera like that you don't it doesn't cost anything so and and what's happened is you've got this huge gap like it, there are politically in certain countries including this one where you've got this massive divide between the, those who have and those who have not and they, they used to be middle class in between but that doesn't exist anymore you are and it's very much the same as South America and it's the same with music back in the 1990s you had the massive ones like Michael Jackson and, and, and Madonna. And then you had the in-between ones that were like NXS, U2, Bon Jovi, who sold millions of records, but they weren't quite. And then you had the other ones, smaller ones like Psychedelic Furs and B-52. So you had this, this evened out distribution across the board. So, but now you don't. You've got your Taylor Swift and people like that, and then you've got the other people, and there's nothing in between it. And that, that's why it's not really a productive thing to do anymore. And if I do a video, I do it for the love of the song, like I did with that guy, a merchant, who John had worked with, and, and, and the artist, because you, it's not worth it financially. It's, it's just not worth it. And and that's kind of sad, because it means that... Um, it's an, and also, MTV, when they stopped playing music videos, which to me is the greatest tragedy of, of, of the 90s, when they stopped doing music, or the beginning of the 2000s, they decided they weren't going to play music videos, and instead, they were going to do reality shows. Now, to me, that was the biggest mistake because when when MTV was at its height, any house you went to, anywhere, they had MTV on, anywhere. So everybody knew what was going on. Everyone knew what the bands were. Everyone knew. I'm sure you know this yourself. It's like 
I'd go, I'd have it on, I'd turn it on first thing in the morning. Didn't always have the sound up, but I'd turn it on first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And if I went to anyone's house, even bands and like Sonic Youth, they had it on. So it was this great beacon to the, to the world of what was happening. And, you know, and if you got a video, like I was lucky enough to get Clip of the Week several times up with Oasis, it was like you were, then it, the problem with it also was it created the music video director as a star. And so a lot of people want to jump on the bandwagon. I was one of the first directors to have my name on a video. And I think that what that did is made people go, oh, I want to be famous. I didn't care about that. I thought it was cool that they started to give you credit. So then what happened is you got a load of people that came in who didn't necessarily like have any talent, but could do do something so their name would get up on there. And then, then what happened was the record labels would look at the most popular directors and only hire them and not hire other people. So there were, there were, th- there were two or three things that killed it off, really, for me. And at one point, I just thought, this is the greatest revolution um, in culture since, the, since the, the, the start of the movie industry or the fashion business in Paris. It was like, it was like, and, it was, and the other great thing about it was all run by women. The incredible women were the, were the people that were the record label people who got the job because the marketing people thought, oh, it's not going to last. I'll give it to my secretary. And, 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 and what those women did to me was there should be a documentary about that because they absolutely were the ones that made MTV popular. Lydia Sarno, Sonia Ives, um, and, and uh, um, various other women, and, and, and women were producers and heads of production companies. And Lydia, for example, I did a backbeat video for Lydia, and, and you know, women, women look at it as, as far... Ego doesn't come into it, women. What comes into it for women producers and, and women who did those videos was that, like, it's a woman's maternal instinct of looking after the whole project. And, and so they, I've got to give them credit for making the music video. If it wasn't for those women, we would never have had a music video industry. And, and, a, and a music video industry that was empathetic to the people, if you didn't feel like you had enough money, you were able to go to them and say, you know, I need a little bit more money. And then they'd look at it and they'd go, yes or no, based on, on, on you know, what they thought was, re- what was worth it, putting it, investing into. And if, if they thought you truly believed in it, they would. Um, and, you know, and, and they were critical. They weren't a pushover. They were critical. Um, and, and I don't think men would have, could have done that in the same way because the ego would have been involved in it. But, but those women deserve credit and it should be a documentary about them because, you know, I, 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 to me, I couldn't have done it without them. So, so there's a, a debt of honor to those women that, that, that should, people should be made aware of. That, that's really yeah. cool. You know, a very feminist. I appreciate that. Um, you know, Nick, yeah. I've been dying to ask you. I got two questions about the video that you did for uh, Pressure Off, the Pressure Off video. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that was Duran Duran yeah. with Nile Rodgers and Janelle Monet. I, I had asked Caddy Kressner at one time, and she didn't know the answer. Who are the children in that video? Are they the band's children, or are they just extras no, that no, were cast? No, no, they're mine. <laughs> Yours. So your kids. Okay. My son and daughter. No, my, okay. son, my son and daughter, there's only, there's only two of them in it, my son and daughter, and, and then what happens, I took my daughter, who was 11 at the time, I took her to London with me when I when I made the first part of the video, because I shot the first part of the video with the band in London, I took my daughter with me, it's really funny because she didn't want to be the, she didn't want to be the director's daughter, and she wanted to do something, she wanted to work, and so right. Simon said to her, I've got a job for you, Ava, 
you can catch my coat, my leather jacket. So when he throws his leather jacket, there's Ava loving, catching it, doing it lovingly. And so, so yeah, and so the band, and, and I think her presence, because they've, they've all got daughters. Simon's got daughters, John's got a daughter, Nick's got a daughter. And I think they saw Ava as this, it, it made them, it made them in, a, in like they were, not, they were, they were so relaxed in that shoot and in such a good mood. And I think Ava brought some of that with them. And, and Simon just adored Ava. And, and so she lovingly caught that. She, she dropped it once and she was really upset that she dropped it. And so I took her back and you know, there was a bit of a dispute with, with Nick, not because not over them, but over the cast, because John said to me, Simon likes A-list models and everything. And I said, this is the time not to have A-list models in it. Let's make it about real people, that, but good looking people, but that shop at the gap instead of this, yeah. you know, and that was hard to convince Nick of that. Um, and I said, you also need a new generation. You need kids that, you want people to see that kids like Duran Duran. And so that's why I put my, both Ava and Dash were in that video jumping off the, um, jumping off the trampoline into the air. Oh, that's yeah, that so good. cool. And, and you can really tell in the video that everybody, including the band, they really seem very relaxed. They seem very, you know, yeah. they seem to be enjoying themselves, especially Nick. And Nick sometimes seems like he's yeah. having a terrible time. But in that video, I can tell. I mean, you got him to jump. How did you get Nick Rhodes to jump? But um, the <laughs> other question that I've been dying to ask you is at the very beginning of that video, John Taylor says, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, Who yeah. is he saying that to? Me. And he said to me, it's a joke. Oh, okay. What did you? I, I said because I said something to him, like in a joking way about about doing something. He said, "Fuck you," like that. But he <laughs> did it in a loving way. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I was I was wondering. I'm like, how was he saying that to? I'm dying to know. Well, just, just, to quit, just to finish on pressure off, the, the, the thing about that and what you said about Nick is very true. And the problem is with bands that I've always found is that you, you know, trying to get a band shot and everyone look good in it is really difficult because someone always looks bad. And that person, yeah, that, that person has to be the sacrificial lamb because everyone else looks good. So I thought, why not? I did shoot, I, I did shoot the, the video with them all in it, but I knew that I wasn't going to use it because they wanted me to, just that safety. So, so I thought, why not shoot each one of them get the best performance out of them and put it together as a band shot. And that's exactly why Nick came across it. Nick, Nick was, I thought was brilliant. And you don't get to see that in Nick. I think he does a thing where he does that. He hits the keyboard and he kind of zips up his top. And, and I just thought he, I thought he was one of the best things in the video. I thought yes. Simon was great because I had to explain to Simon that even though he's performing there, he was going to be having Janelle Monet next to him in the final cut. And he got to imagine where she is. And he did it brilliantly. It looks like they're shot together. I mean, it does. You know, and because he, he looks over and he smiles and he gets back to it. And I thought, that's where Simon, Simon got it 100%. And he's, 
he was in a good mood too. And and, I, and like I say, I like to think some of it's to do with the fact that I gave her a shoot in London because they were all fawning over there. They did pictures with her. And, and, and I think because they've all got daughters, it made them feel like that connection to her. And, 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 um, and also because she wanted to work. I love that. She didn't want to, you know, most, most directors' kids would be like eating the craft service and getting people to get them tea. Not able. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to work and she did. And she helped me with some of the stuff that we did at the end. But Nick, yeah, Nick was Nick was into it because he knew the idea about the Philip Houseman jumping thing. So he knew if he didn't jump, he wouldn't be yeah, doing the sort of concept we want. But we, we got him to look great with that cape on and everything like that. I think he, he was great. Yes, that cane with the, um, what is it, like a crystal Yeah, the cane with Yes. Yeah. And that, that, yes. to me, to me, that is my favorite video because to me, it's the perfect video I've done because it, it was done exactly how I imagine it to be. I mean, I did a whole load of uh, compositions for them, roughs of how it's going to look and I cut stuff. And, 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 yeah, the white background helps a lot and doesn't it like the excess uh, kit cover. Um, and so it was the only time, I mean, video, I'm not saying that, uh, it just, but not every video turns out the way you want to do it, but, but a lot of them have been close to it, but you haven't got everything. This had everything in it. I got everything in it I wanted to get into it. I got a really great performance at the band. I thought they were in a great mood. I got them in a great mood, and that comes across really well, and that's been the yes. reaction of most people that have seen it. And 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 um and then the, the yeah the start of doing it and the jumping and the ink dripping down, you know, it, it, to me I still it's, it's, I think it's the best video I've done. And and yeah, there was some discussion over it being black and white, but I thought black and white would work the best for it. But but um yeah, so I was really pleased with that, and it was a great song too. Yeah, no, and, and yeah, I think so. that's one of my favorite Duran Duran videos. I'll be honest, I, I, and you know, okay. Duran Duran's my favorite band. So, uh, yeah, you know, I love the video. Hey, speaking of Duran Duran, there's a story about you going to Disneyland with John Taylor. Oh yeah, you know about that. You know, one of John Taylor, Michael Hutchins, and John Taylor. Oh, okay. We went to we went together. John, I took my son Roman. I don't know what I, I don't know why they go. I mean, I just I don't know out the blue one. We all went out. I think me and John, Michael, and we went out one night. And this is when John was not. He was John was about to go into rehab like the next day, and I think he was a bit freaking out. So, so and he's been sober ever since. And so we went. I said, no, let's go to the bring Atlanta. So we took me, John, Michael, my son Roman, and Atlanta went to Disneyland. And I and I don't know how I got them to do it, but I still think it's you should have seen the, the response from people there because they were both really both bands were really big at the time. So you can imagine in a situation like Disneyland, the people just like were like they, they didn't know what to think. They thought it might be a Disney gimmick or something like that. Well, I think it's funny you said people thought it was a Disney gimmick. I'm picturing like the the Hall of Presidents, and it's like a robotic Michael Hutchins and a robotic John yeah. Taylor. <laughs> Exactly. I, th- I think they might have thought that. That's funny. But we went there and we went on the, uh, and John was really kind of nervous because he knew he had to leave for, for Arizona the next day. And he did, uh, yeah, in Atlanta, was, was she got scared on the on the um, haunted house thing. And, but we were there for quite a time. It was it was a surreal moment, though, because, um, just because, yeah, of John having, you know, knowing that he needs to get himself cleaned up and having to go through a, a, a long rehab in, in Arizona. It was the night before. And Michael, who was not sober uh, and, and didn't have a kid, was like, and so it was kind of very strange, but yeah. fun. Yeah, it was fun. I think it was the right thing to do for them that month. So I, I know that your time's very valuable and I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I got two more bands I want to ask you about if that's okay. 
Great, cool shit. You you directed uh, a couple videos for Alanis Morissette. No, just one, just the one. Oh, just the one. Okay, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a good. Well, it's a good story. Okay, so I was after this is I done I done Candle Books for Maverick, and that was Madonna's label. Freddie the Man did it, and there was a guy called Guy Siri, and he was he was like the market head of marketing there. And I'd done this Candle Books video, and it was a lot. It was the highest rotated video ever on MTV and so it, made, it was successful so the guy wanted me to do this artist called Alanis Morissette and and nobody's heard of her she, she was had some some kind of notoriety in Canada but she's very pop with, with like you know short mini skirts and bimbo-ish looking right which you wouldn't believe now we saw her. and they wanted me to do the video but the problem was the, the my ex a girlfriend, the mother of my son, Raya, she was, a, they just hired her as a video commissioner. I mean, I, and so I said, listen, I don't want to do it. She said, I'm, I don't want to do it. And and so I tried everything I could to get out of doing it. And and they said, no, no, we'll make sure she's not involved with it. You know, don't worry about it. Please, can we do it? And so I kind of met with Alanis, and Alanis was great. Um, I thought at the time she was great, and it's very sort of sweet and very, very beholding from very pleased with me doing it. And but I just I still didn't feel like I wanted to do it. So when I, they asked me to write a script, I purposely wrote hardly anything on it. I said, I'm going to go to Death Valley and we'll shoot a video. That's what I said. And people were like, what? Okay, there's got to be more to it than that. And I said, well, that's it. And so they agreed to, to do it. And it was relatively low budget then. It was 90 grand. And I was used to doing things around 200, you know, thousand at that point, and maybe 150,000. This is 90. And so I said, well, let's do a super eight and we'll go to Death Valley. But I got there, to be honest, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I mean, I suddenly I got, I suddenly realized I'm in this position and everyone's asking me questions and I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I thought my friend Michelle was a photographer on the shoot and she had a little bag with her. They said, there used to be those stickers, those pussycat stickers that you get out of any machines you put. And she had these pussycat stickers on this case. And she had a piece of material hanging out of it. Like, I don't know what it was. And that's when I thought, that's it. Because I thought about the word, lyrics and I thought, you know, she says, there's a line there, she goes, I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner. And I thought that was being ironic because actually that's exactly what she did want to do and nothing was going to stop her. And it was, she was like the Terminator. She was going to walk across the country to confront this person. And I thought, there you go. That's it. The suitcase ties it in. I'll have a change in clothes and all this kind of stuff. And, and so we did it. And she, at that point, was... She hadn't got she she hadn't got the the beauty side sorted out at this point, and it was super eight, so it doesn't really it's not good for close ups. She kept wanting me to do close ups, but I, and at the time I didn't want to tell the truth. But she had a mono brow and she had really bad skin. So and she also when she was singing, she was being mugging too much. She looked too masculine, right? And so I, I said, well, it doesn't work with a super eight camera because it shows up just about you know things aren't good. So, so I didn't want to shoot close ups. Um. But we did this thing, and, I, and all my time working with Cruz has seen everything. I mean, yeah, Cruz has worked with every band. Yeah, you know, to them it doesn't matter who it is; they're just doing their job and they're, they're running cable. And and we shot that scene in the desert, which is running in there. And I have never seen a crew stop what they were doing and look at her performance. It was like I looked around, and every person stopped and was looking. And I thought, this woman's got something special. She's got, if she can do this to a crew, we've seen everything.
And she was brilliant, I've got to say that. She was fantastic. And, and she got a great, I got a great performance out of her. And anyway, came to the edit and um, I did an edit and she said, oh, it's great, it's great. I've just got a couple of changes. Can, can you come, we, we can go over the changes. And what she'd done basically is she'd written 39 pages of changes. We basically just changed the whole video. And I was, I was insulted by it because she told me, so, you know, and my thing at that point was I was the one that was the big music video director and she needed me. I didn't need her. And, and so I, I, I agreed to a couple of them and that's the middle part where, where it dissolves over each other. So that was a good idea. She wanted more close-ups and I didn't want to do more close-ups and, you know, because of the reasons I said. Anyway, it, it came, it came out and then I read something in the LA Times where she said, oh, I wasn't really happy with the video. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, what, you know, First of all, it went on heavy rotation. It was a clip of the week. It made her a star. So I, I kind of had an issue with her. And that's so how I went and um, I did, they, did a, they did a thing on, um, I can't remember what channel it was. It's called uh, 10 Most Influential Videos of the Last 20 Years. And, and, and they had various ones. In it. And, and that was in it because of what it did for women in rock. Because it was the first video that showed a woman as a, as a performer as opposed to eye candy and it inspired the Lilith Fair and all these other things that film and I was quite proud you know I didn't do that on purpose but I was proud that it had that effect on, on women in music and and um and so it's in there so they wanted to interview me so I did an interview with them and as I was doing the interview I said is Alice Al Al doing this interview and they said no she didn't she didn't want to do it I said I said I bet if you tell her I'm doing it she'll do it and sure enough she did <laughs> because she knew I was going to say what I said which I said I said you know, I, I was, you know, she, she came in, she had some ideas, but, you know, she, she tried to change my whole video around, and I wasn't going to have it, and blah, blah. So she goes on there, and she said, well, I know Nick wasn't very happy with it, but I had to change it because it wasn't very good, so I changed it and made it better. And, you know, so then I go, well, the problem is everyone's going to believe her because everyone believes the star and they're not going to believe me. Uh, so I got over it, and it was, I think, a year or two later, she was the girl, the very girl that had the suitcase, got the idea of her, and they became friends, and, my friend Michelle had invited her to the wedding and I saw her there and I kind of, we were sort of civil to each other, but, but she left a bad taste in my mouth. So I rarely ever talk about that video. And, and, and I never, I, well, no, I do. I started to look at it a little bit differently now. And, 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 and um, I think we shot on Super 8 number one, which is pretty amazing. We've got that. We did a great location. She was, she was undoubtedly a brilliant performer. Um, and we captured, and people, what, what, resonated with women in particular was she's out there she's doing it she's doing it better than the guy's doing it she, yes. she's like in your face rock and roll and i thought she never appreciated that because all her videos she did after that were really kind of ethereal kind of like slow kind of yeah it, nothing like i had done for her and 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 so and she got her one with all close up she's in her naked one you know and so yeah, I, I was disappointed that she never, she, you know, she never really, it was, it was no gratitude in her for what I did for her. And, and saying that thing in the LA Times after, after she was now a huge star was, I thought, was really ungrateful. And that the problem, like I said, with celebrity is people are always going to take believe the celebrity over. And so really my, my thing worked against me when I said this, if you ask her, if you thought that I'm doing interview, I shouldn't have done that. I should have left it the way it was. And and then, but she came on and she and she's doing her thing. I just looked at it and she goes, "Oh well, you know, me and Nick, we didn't agree about certain things, but I knew I had to change it because it's just, 
And it just bugged me because she didn't, you know, I didn't let her change anything except for one thing in it. That's the only thing I let her change. And because I was the MTV guy, the record company backed me up on it. So, yeah, that was that one. But but I've, I've, I've got over it a little bit now. I don't, you know, I'm not so, I look at it now and I can appreciate what it meant. There's a lot of other stuff that was going on behind the scenes that I can't even talk about. But but it was kind of, as a, yeah, because, it, you know, it, just because who she was as a person, what she did, and how manipulative she was, I don't really want to go too much. But but she, um, you know, she knew how to use people. She wasn't that much different from Madonna in that respect. She knew how to use people. She knew how to get what whatever it took. She knew how to get what she wanted to get out of them, and she was clever for that. And she got out of me something that I didn't want to do in the beginning. And, and didn't know what I was going to do in the beginning. She managed to get out of me a, a really, really great video, and that made her start. And 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 I and you know, so to, so for her to sort of twist it in, in any other direction, and that was a chance for her to say, I really owe a lot to Nick for doing this, but she didn't. And and, and so it just it left a bad taste in my mouth, and, and I very rarely talk about it, and I'm very rarely, you know. So so you're the first person I've really talked about it to, and and um, since then. But thank you. I didn't mean to like, you know, bring up a sore subject, but thank you for being willing to talk with me about that. I really appreciate that. I was going to say the other band that I wanted to ask you about that I think our listeners would be interested in is Oasis, because I know that you did a number of videos for them. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want to know a little bit about, you know, what that was like with that process. But I'm also really curious, given that you were friends with Michael Hutchins and the way yeah. that Oasis disrespected Michael Hutchins at the Music Awards... Did that yeah. create any friction working with them? I'm I'm curious. Uh, okay, well, the first thing I did for them, I saw them. I was in I was in Portland and I was doing the Cannibals video and I read about this bank called Oasis. And I said, "This is when I had the power to do this." I said to my production company, "I really want to work with Oasis." So they set up the thing where Oasis was playing in LA, and I went to the show and I met with them afterwards, and they're really funny because you know they were going, you know, and Noel said to and they said to me, you know. Yeah, we like your we like your ideas in the video, but if it's wrong, and he did the you know the cutthroat thing across his throat, if it's wrong, and I thought that was funny, and and so we I took that Nicholas Rogue Man of Force of Earth idea, which I was always kind of obsessed with that film, and we went out to the desert, and and yeah, you know, and they'd already done a video, but it wasn't very good, and you know I was the kind of guy that got the English and the American, and I understood both markets really well. And so I got a video that was kind of popular in both places. The other one was a little bit ethereal and pretentious. And then, I, then they asked me to do Live Forever, which was taken from the, from a um, performance, a film with Mick Jagger in it, and a scene in that film where where the guy, um, Chaz, the guy, the head of the guy, I don't think I've ever seen it, it's a, my favourite film, 
it's about London gangsters and Mick Jagger's in it as this kind of rock star, kind of drugged out thing that's gangster goes and hides in his house because he thinks no one's going to find him there. So, so, and they get, but he takes mushrooms, he goes on this trip, which is why I got that reference in it. There's a scene where Chaz is, um, he's in his office with Chesterfield couches and behind him he's got all these racehorses, right? And I thought, live forever. Why is they putting the racehorses? They have Liam in the city, let's put all these dead, live forever. Dead racehorses, Elvis, Sid Vicious, Brian Jones, um, yeah, all, all the, all the uh, Jim Morrison, all the, all the rock stars that died too young, you know, and they're all friends behind him. And Liam's sitting in his chair, and, and Liam basically is not comfortable with his own skin. He didn't feel comfortable doing it. And there's a scene in it where he pushed it. I, I kept wanting to push the light so I could do this lighting effect, like Chaz does, in because the, they cut between in the movie, they cut between Mick Jagger and the guy that plays Chaz, you know, Mick Jagger's got his hair slit. And so Mick Jagger pushes the light above the desk and it kind of shines on in the people in the room and I wanted to do that it was like getting blood out of a stone eventually he did it and as soon as he did it he goes right that's it I'm fucking off and he got up and he walked out he didn't, he, was in the, he didn't want to act I'm not a fucking actor he said and he walked off the set luckily it was the last shot and the band were like oh fuck him you know it's like you know baby childish because and, and earlier that day when we were doing the performance the guy from the American Record Label said to me he's not moving he's not there he's just standing there he goes, you've got to tell him to move around. I said, I'm not going to turn him to move around. You've been going to do that. I'm going to go and turn him to turn around. And 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 he said, well, you've got to cut away from it. Now, the brilliant thing about it was, I, I knew that was Liam Singh. He stood there, and that was in itself a thing. And when I told my editor that, that what the local, he purposely kept him standing there. And I think that was what was the genius about the edit. Maybe. And so that came together really, and that was another massive video for me because it went, it took them to the next level in America. Because the story, it was, it, I, I got the live forever ever metaphor with the dead rock stars on the wall behind, and I animated some of those. And so I was really pleased with that, and then another video I was really proud of. And then there was a gap for a while, and then they came out with Standing on Shoulders of Giants. Now, they wanted me to go to New York and meet the band in the studio. And when I went in there, this was after the Michael Hutchinson, when I went in the studio, Sim, First thing Liam does, he comes up to me and goes, I didn't know you were mates with Michael Hutchins. He goes, he goes, I feel so bad about that. He goes, you know, we didn't, I didn't mean to say, you know, we, I know it's Noel did most of, most of the stuff in it. We were just having a laugh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was, in a way, it was it was his way of apologizing and saying I didn't realize he was your mate. And I suppose he'd seen the documentary about Michael that I was on. So he, he was like, I didn't know you were. And so that, didn't know it didn't make it uncomfortable at all i mean the thing about the oasis they hate everything they hate everything and hate everyone if you saw i saw him talking about the videos and he's going on and oh uh, yeah he flags everything off and yet i've got a note from him saying this is the best video we ever did when we did um when we did the one in death valley um i can't remember the song's called so i did i and i like working with him because 
They they didn't want stylists. They didn't want makeup artists. They didn't want any of that stuff. They they just came out. They wanted to talk about football. That was a big thing. Me and them got on together because of foot, soccer, football. Um, and, you know, I had, a, I had a really, really great time with them. I think the funny story about them was when we were shooting in Death Valley, they've got this um, five-star hotel in the middle of Death Valley called the Furnace Creek Inn. And it's a very fancy restaurant. And you're not allowed to wear jeans in it. So Oasis turn up, and they want to go in, and they're all wearing jeans. They wouldn't let them in. Even though their jeans cost like $250 each that they were wearing, they wouldn't let me in the restaurant in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> you know, you had to wear proper clothes in there. But, but they, yeah, they were great to work with. I've got to say, they, they were really, yeah, cynical sometimes, yeah, making noises like in the background, oh, yeah. And then I did another one, which was one of my favorite, um, another Sunday morning call, which, which we based on this Noel's idea of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And, and um, I got the guy who was in the original uh, stage production of Train Spotting, because I had somebody like Train, who played the part of the character in the video. And it really was my first narrative video that I really sat down and thought about storyboard, how it storyboarded out, and, 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 and you know, basically, you know, he goes in, like, in the cuckoo's nest, and he goes into, into a mental and sign, but he's got all these rebellious, like Hell's Angel, a punk, a Black Panther person, there's a little bit of a political background statement for that, that, that we, we tend to write these people off as, as being dangerous and, and mentally disturbed. So all the you know, people that led any kind of movement, um, I had in, in the background of that. And that was a good video, and that's also on my. Um, if you want to see that, it's on my. Um, that's on my website on the media section. It's got the making of another Sunday morning call, which is quite funny, really, because you'll see what they're like in the making of the video. And and we shot it at a mental asylum in Canada, and you know it, it was it was it was freakishly daunting place, and it had a, such a thick atmosphere to it. Someone swears they saw a ghost there. But they had an electric shock treatment room, and 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 it was empty. It was an empty location. It's perfect for what I wanted to do, and and so yeah, I'm very proud of those videos I did with them. You know, the the, the um the one on the the one oh, God, I can't remember no, the one on the bus where I did the it was like they wanted the Beatles type thing, so I did the bus in the middle of the countryside in England, and I think everything I did for them I I thought was great. I did three back to back with them, um, and they definitely were characters to work with. You know, I never took it personally. Because no one, no one says, does there anything good about anybody? Does there anything good about any band? And I don't think Michael understood that, you know, at that award show. And I do know 
it really affected him because Michael was like to think he was the guy that was down with all this kind of neat kind of music. And he was the guy that was out of all the previous generation was the cool guy that got it, you know? I mean, he did a, Michael got up on stage and did a, a Brixton with um, Black Grape, you know, um, uh, you know, the former Happy Mondays and he, and he, he, he performed with them. So, so yeah, it was an, it was an unfortunate thing. I think, I think, at the time, Michael was in a sensitive place, and and um, and I think that was the worst because in excess was starting to go downhill. So, so for someone to say that out loud in front of everyone was was damaging to him. I don't think because I, I always say it to anybody. It doesn't I don't think it was Michael per se, and in fact, no one else would say how much he respected in excess and everything. But that was after Michael died. So, so yeah, I did, and and, and I was, and I've said this before. I think I said it on one of the podcasts I did that they did in their way apologize to me about what they said so so and i had to take that on face value really that they didn't mean it you know mm-hmm. okay so there you go all right well thank you for that all right well nick we've been at this almost two hours now i suspect this is going to be a two-part episode wow yeah i know right i knew once we got started yeah but it's been good talking to you Lori. i've enjoyed well, it thank you thank you so much I've got to say, I've enjoyed it much more than I normally do, because what I normally do is, is, I, is I, I get an, almost like a pre-recorded thing. And yeah. so it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed the conversation because I felt like I was talking to a friend. So that was a good oh, thing. Well, thank you, know? you. Well, I do consider you a friend. So thank you very much yeah. for, for coming on and for agreeing to be interviewed. You. And you All are right. awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laurie. Good luck. When's it gonna air, when are you going to air it? Uh, the first part is going to be on this Saturday, the 20th. And then the second part will probably be two weeks after that. And I'm sorry that you didn't get to meet my co-host, Rob, because I think you two would have gotten along great. So hopefully he'll be Um, back with us soon. Well, we'll send him my best. And and just send me a link to it when it's done. You got it. All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.